Good morning. I have a lovely husky, broken voice. Thank you. But I, I, I uh, this just started to uh, come on at about uh, Friday, and uh, I just went, "This is very interesting. Uh, what am I going to do?" And uh, I really felt um, very, very strongly that uh, God really wanted me to be here this morning and wanted me to speak, and I then stood in that, in that, and with. All everything I had, I just said, God, you you be my voice, and Satan, you have no right to come in and try and steal my voice, and uh, God, just speak through me. So um, I'm just going to pray this morning that God speaks, and that if I lose my voice, that some amazing sound from heaven would come and and deliver the words that are on this in, in this message. So let's just pray. Lord, you are a great God. You are a God that uh, is right here, right now. God, you are with us when we were born. You were before that, Lord God. You are the God of creation. And Lord God, you're also the God of our future. And Lord God, this morning, we ask, Lord, that you would come and you would minister to us this morning. Lord God, that you would come and that you would, Father, speak through me, Lord God, that I would stand aside and that you would speak, Lord God, your words of truth this morning. And that, Father, that the word that you have spoken to me, Lord God, would be a word in season, that it would hit uh, soil in the hearts of people this morning that would uh, be able to flourish this seed and be able to let it grow in the life of, the, of everyone, everyone here and allow good fruit to come from it, Lord God. Father, we want to praise you and give you glory this morning. In your name, amen. Amen. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to sound wonderful this morning, I'm sure. The, uh, when God was talking to me about this, I was actually in Sydney last weekend uh, with my family visiting my sister, which was wonderful. She sends her hellos. She's doing very well. Uh, but I just got a chance to be able to sit uh, in Hillsong Church um, a couple of hours before one of their services and just sit in the presence of God and, and uh, no one else was, was around me and just sit with my Bible and and God gave me um, a bit of a word out at it, at it for this morning, and didn't quite know um, how to talk about it this morning. But God gave me some stuff, and it's really interesting um, how things can happen in the world that uh, He just He just brings things to a point where it is totally a word in season, and um, with lots of things happening in life, like the tsunamis and and the earthquakes, and there is people going through very, very tough times. And there are people right here in our, in our very family that, that are going through tough times. And we all do go through tough times. And God actually says, as <laughs> in his promises in his word, they're all, there's fabulous promises there, and there's one promise that we sort of go, oh, I don't really like that one, is he says that you will go through tough times. And this morning, I want to look at what it is to walk through tough times. Because God doesn't call us to sit in tough times. He doesn't say, stop, stay, be in that tough time. He says, walk through the tough time. 
And so this morning, what I want to do is I'd like you all to pull out your Bibles and turn to the book of Job. The funny thing is, is when God was speaking to me about the message um, and he gave me the scripture, I, I read it and I went, oh, that's cool. And, and then I closed, the book, closed my Bible and I just started praying and, and then I went, oh, I just want to read that again. And I went, okay, so that was in Psalm. And I'm looking through the Psalms going, no, it's not Psalm. Right. Okay. Oh, it must be a proverb. No, it wasn't a proverb either. I'm like, oh, where's that from? And then when I found it was in the book of Job, I went, ooh, Job. Job's sort of like a sad story, like a uh, sort of really sort of down story and lots of turmoil and trouble and woe is me. And I'm like, wow, where did this come from in the book of Job? So we're going to look in the book of Job this, um, this morning, flick to Job 39 and whack your finger in there. But we are going to, uh, I'm just going to give you a, a rundown of, of the book of Job because I'm sure we have our own understanding of what the book of Job is, but just let me just run through a bit with you. Chapter 1, Job, uh, sorry, God has a conversation with Satan about Job. And in the end from that, uh, Satan brings about, um, through God letting Satan do this to Job, who he says is an upright man. He is a righteous man. And, uh, and so what happens is uh, Job loses everything. He loses uh, all of his children. They all die. All of his possessions were either killed or stolen. All of his animals, all of his livestock, everything was gone. Chapter 2. God has another conversation with Satan about Job. Basically, Satan's saying, yeah, 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 you can take away all his possessions, and that's fair enough, he can still stay true to you. But what about if you take skin for skin? What about if you touch Job? If you bring uh, disease or you bring something to Job, he will surely turn around and curse you, and then it'll be all over. And God says, no, he is an upright man, he will not. And so anyway... Uh, God turns around and, and Job gets from head to toe filled with sores like blisters all over his body. He uh, sits in ashes and mourns about his state. And he, some of his friends come around him in chapter 2. Three of his friends, um, Aliphaz, the Taiwani, um, Bildad, the, Shush, the Shuhi, Sofar, the Naam Wathi. I actually took out the uh, how do you phonetically say it. So it's just, yeah. Anyway, um, so they come around and they sit with him. And there's another person as well, which they don't mention at the start, which is Elihu. And we'll get to him in a minute. Then from chapter 3 all the way through to chapter 31, he has a conversation with his friends. And through this conversation, his friends are going, Look, God's cursed you. God has brought this thing upon you. You are under God's curse. You need to get yourself up. You need to repent. You need to uh, right yourself with God. And Job has then become a bit self-righteous. He's going, no, 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 I am not. God will, um, I, am I am right. And um, he gets a little bit in the, uh, he gets a little bit uh, twisted as well from the truth. That may also occur several times this morning, but that's okay. Uh, 
And so all of these guys are in a spiral of downward trend, basically. And there's another guy sitting there, and his name's Elihu. He's the youngest out of all the friends. And he spoke straight to them, so directly, so boldly. He said, this is what God says. And he speaks about who God is. God is righteous. God is the... He, he, he goes and lays it all out. God was, made the world and, and he went through and he said, what are you doing? What are we doing here? Don't you know, Job, that your God is righteous? And so he speaks right to them and confronts them on the situation. And in chapter 38 and 39, which we're going to go into now, is God speaking to... Because um, as Elihu's talking, there is this storm that, that comes up. And, and, and Elihu is saying, God is the God of, of the weather and of storms and things like that. And there's this storm that's around them. And then in chapter 38 and 39... God begins to answer Job. God himself begins to answer Job out of the storm. He talks about in, 30, in chapter 38 how he formed the earth and its foundations. How he made the wind and the rain, the stars in the sky. And then he began to talk about some animals. He began to say, he, and, he, and he was sort of talking in a little bit of a, a direct state because at the start of, of, uh, of chapter 38, he says, brace yourself like a man. This is in verse 3. I will question you and you shall answer me. So he's having a bit of a direct conversation with Job saying, Job, stand up and get ready. I'm going to talk to you and then you're going to talk to me back. And he's saying, like, can you create the world? Can you know when the lightning is going to strike and where it will strike? Can you ask the rain to fall in a certain situation, in a certain place? And he starts to talk about these animals. Do you know how a lioness is meant to hunt? Can you bring it, the prey to it and things like that? Like he's basically saying, Job, clearly there is no way known that you can do these things. I am God. I have created all. I am in all. And he's basically making a nice, firm, rock-solid statement. I'm God, you're not. And then we move into, uh, into uh, chapter 39. I'm going to knock this off in a minute. I can just feel it. Let's read uh, chapter 39 together. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied his ropes? I gave him the wasteland as his home, the salt flats as his habitat. He laughs at the commotion in the town. He does not hear a driver's shout. He ranges the hills for his pasture 
and searches for any green thing. We will press on. I may need war water, but you'll see when I'm getting down. It's okay. Where are we? There we are. Will, we're up to chapter, uh, verse 9. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Will he stay by your manager at night? Can you hold him in the furrow with a harness? Will he till the valleys behind you? Will you rely on him for his great strength? Will you leave your heavy work on him? Can you trust him to bring in your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. Never did I think the ostrich was mentioned in the Bible, but there it is. But they cannot compare to the pinions and feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sun, unmindfully that a foot may crush them that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly as if, it were not, as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain, for God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense. That's God saying, there's a dumb animal right there. <laughs> and I actually read commentaries on this, and they all were saying, clearly God has, can create anything, and he has shown that he can create anything by creating a dumb animal. There you go. Uh, yet, when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. Do you give the horse his strength or clothe his neck with a furrowing mane, flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror with his proud snorting? He pours fiercely, rejoicing in his strength, and charges into the fray. He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side, along with the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied, frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, he snorts. Aha! Haven't heard a horse do that, but anyway. He catches the scent of battle from afar, the shout of comrades, sorry, commanders, and the battle cry. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread his wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build his nest on high? He dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is his stronghold. From there he seeks out his food. His eyes detect it from afar. His young ones feast on blood and where the slain are, there is he. What is all that about? He goes on. God goes on and, and, uh, and continues to speak to Job in that sort of fashion. And then Job says in, in, in chapter 42, 
I'm speechless. Let's just read. Uh, then Job replied to the Lord. This is 42, just 2 to 6. I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is that obscures my counsel with knowledge, without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Goes on to say down the very, very, very last verse, sorry, second last, second last, last two verses of the book of Job. After this, Job lived, a hundred and, another, lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died old and full of years. Job, the story of Job is a wonderful story of despair, of hitting a hard time and God speaking about how amazing he is and really pinning Job to a point and saying, I am amazing. I'm amazing. I'm big. I'm everything that you could possibly ever imagine. And God's not there smashing Job and destroying Job. He's wanting to bring Job to a place of, of repentance and to be able to come to God going, God, I'm sorry. <coughs> You're God. <clears throat> I know that. I love you. And be with me. And he was with him and God blessed him with long life. And it says full of years. I really believe that he had a full life. He lived a long and full life for a hundred more years after that. Now, so all of that's been talking about how, how amazing God is and God is God and we are not. Let's put ourselves in this. Not only Job, we're not God either. God talks about how he created the world and everything in it. And he really created it and he shows in here about his character. And throughout creation, and we see it in other scriptures as well, that God created for us to be able to see his creation and know his character and know his love. Romans 1, 8 to 20, 18 to 20 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, that they, since, that, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made so that men are without excuse. So I looked at that and I went, well, God has made all these animals he speaks of. I'm a bit intrigued. Why would he speak of those ones? Why would he talk in and looking at just Job 39? Why does he speak of those particular animals? Now, if we had, if you know, if 
we had an interview with God and we could say, you know, what was going on? You know, why did you do that? That would be great. I believe that there's been, he's spoken to me about a few points that we can take from those animals. So let's just have a little, let's go just power on through these, these animals that we've got there. Excellent. Number one, he talks about new life, about something being born. God is the God of new life. When we're walking through tough times, God can tend to bring us back to our first encounter with him, bring us back to that place where we met him for the first time. And he can also bring about new things in our lives, new revelations in our life, new hope. Sometimes when we hit a wall and we're down and we're, you know, we're nearly out, we turn up maybe to a service and someone says something and it's God speaking through them and you just go, whoa, thank you, God, you love me. And it just gives you that fresh air, that fresh breath, that fresh water that you needed to move through that tough time. So God is, provides fresh revelation and hope in our, tough, in our tough times. The wild donkey. I looked up about wild donkeys and it's sort of cool, but I'll talk about that in a sec. God's words are what we need in tough times. How did I get that from wild donkeys? Well, let me tell you. Donkeys, uh, wild donkeys uh, have, have formed a, a little system that they have to be able to communicate. And, and it's, as it says that he has, um, in verse 6, it says, I gave him the wasteland as his home, the salt flats as his, as his habitat. Those flats and that wasteland is massive. Wild donkeys have formed a loud voice. They have been able to form in their, in their like, animal makeup the ability to have a loud voice, a loud call, so that they can call across the flats to be able to communicate with each other. They have big ears as well to be able to hear and to be able to signal and do all sorts of things. God's given us a voice, it's from Him. He's given us His words to be able to get up when we're in tough times, and sometimes just speak to them, you know, and use his words, use his promises. I am more than a conqueror. God has blessed me mightily. God is for me. Who can be against me? To get up and be able to speak so directly into those hard times. God calls us to speak the truth, but not only that, but to declare his praises and promises also. Lots of scriptures. Psalm 15, 2. He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart. Romans 8, 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers... Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Speak out those promises. 
Psalm 23, 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 1 Peter 2, 9. I love this one. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, (coughs) who can call you out of your tough time and into his amazing majestic light, into the plans that he has for you. So, God can provide fresh revelation and hope. God calls us to speak out truth and declare his promises. The wild ox. God is our only true, reliable source of strength. Ox are strong. They are used for their strength. At the state conference that we were just at, um, a couple of the guys that we went in, and uh, we heard a little story from Glenn Bateau, who came out to speak. It was about an elephant. He's talking about circus elephants. And I don't think it's a situation now with circuses, but um, when, they're, when they're young, when, when babies are born or taken young into the, uh, into the circus, the young elephants, they tie a chain around their leg, they put a peg into the ground, and the baby elephant can't pull it out of the ground. As much as it tries, it can't pull it out. The animal grows up, still with a chain around a leg, pegged into the ground. And then after time, after years, goes to, goes to walk. And then when it feels that tug, doesn't go any further. It's got built into its brain. It's become used to know, I can't, oh, I can't go any further, I can't pull that out. But if, a, if the elephant knew the strength that it had inside its body, that all it would take is probably a kick of its leg and that peg would fly out of the ground. It got used to, in its situation, in its circumstance, got to understand, no, I can't go any further once I feel that tug on my leg, that's it, it's all over. If we understand the strength that God has placed in our life, the strength that God has available to us in our tough times. Man, we can break that chain, we can pull that peg out of the ground, we can leave that tough time behind and we can move forward with him. Exodus 15, 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He, is my, he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Uh, Psalm seventy three twenty six. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is, God can provide and does provide fresh revelation and hope. God calls us to speak out the truth and declare His promises. And he is our only true source of strength, of reliable strength in our tough times. Four, ostrich. <laughs> Funny creature. Hidden potential. Throughout that, you read about, and we know about an animal that's got wings but can't fly. Ah, look at that. But it's the, one of the fastest. I think I'm going to say the fastest because I reckon I read it 
because it can outrun these other creatures as well. Biped animal. It's the only. It's the fastest animal on two legs. When it says it spreads it uh, in there in here, and God actually talks about it. it says, yet in verse eighteen, yet when she spreads her feathers to run, she laughs at horse and rider. Bang! The ostrich can just go for it. Hidden potential. Come up to this creature thinking, you can't get away. Bang, out of there. Runs. They do also say, though, that the ostrich uh, doesn't have a large brain because the eyeballs, well, actually, the eyeballs of the ostrich uh, take up so much room in its head that its size of its brain is actually smaller than one of the eyeballs. And that when it's chased by, or when it can get cornered by, um, by, pre- by predators, it uh, proceeds to run in circles. Not a smart animal, that's okay. God provides us with fresh revelation and hope. God calls us to speak our truth in declaring his promises. He is our only reliable source of strength. And he will use others and situations to help us out in our tough times. Moses and Jethro. Jethro encouraged Moses when he ran into the desert. The desert's not a fun place. Desert's a dry place. But he had an encourager there. In in his tough time, he had an encourager. Paul and the existing Christians... Imagine being an existing Christian when Paul was converted and you were going, God, please send someone to take our church forward, to lead us forward. We are just praying for someone. And then Paul comes in and you go, but, but he, was, he was killing us. God uses people that sometimes we don't even expect situations that we have no understanding of. Yet, we just need to be open to see what God's got for us, open to the people, open to the circumstances that God could use to get us through our tough time, to bring us out of our tough time. Does this make sense this morning? Is this okay? I reckon we'll be all right. Okay, number five. Horse. There's a horse there. I love that, that passage of a horse. It just makes me uh, think of a horse that's oh, ready to go. That's awesome. God gives us the confidence to be bold in all situations. That horse was not backing down from anything. I'm just going to read it. I like it. Verse 19. Do you give the horse his strength or clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror with his proud snorting? His paws fiercely rejoice, fear, oh, yeah, his paws fiercely rejoicing in his strength and charges into the fray. He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side, along with the flashing spear and the lance. 
In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, he snorts, aha! He catches the sense of battle from afar, the shout of commanders and the battle cry. A horse that's ready to bite. Get ready to go in there. Man, it just pumps me up to read about a horse like that. That's good. And how much more then has God equipped us? How much more then can God give us what we need to head straight into battle? Because we are. We live in a world that is about the spiritual dimension fighting over us. We have God fighting for us. Yet we have Satan who is trying to come against us. It's the fact of life. And we need to be able to be strong to be able to fight. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us the spirit of power of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Joshua was told to be courageous that many times. Be courageous. Be courageous. Be strong and courageous. God has equipped us and will continue to equip us if we rely on him and we go to him in our time of trouble and know that he will equip us to get through that tough time, to continue to walk through that valley or to even step out of that situation if God's able and wants us to do that. So, God provides fresh revelation and hope, calls us to speak out truth and declaring his promises. <coughs> Nearly there. God is our only true reliable source of strength. God will use others and situations to help us through. God has given us his confidence and boldness to walk through situations. Last one, the eagle. Or the hawk. The eagle, in my mind, and from what I got, represents God's wisdom. God's wisdom is freely given in crucial and tough times. The eagle sits up and looks afar, and he soars and knows when to dive for that food, knows the right time has the wisdom that actually says, does the hawk take flight on your wisdom? No, it goes on God's wisdom is what he's saying. God has blessed that animal with wisdom, unlike the ostrich, but he's blessed and can bless and wants to bless us with his wisdom in every situation, every situation. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 8, the actual title in the, the little segment is Wisdom from the Spirit. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. 
Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can get God's wisdom in all situations. He's got it freely to give. So, here we go. God to provide fresh rev- God can provide fresh revelation, new life, new hope. God calls us to speak truth and declare his promises. God is our only true reliable source of strength. God will use others in all um, others in situations to help us through tough times. God has given us the confidence and the boldness and God's given us his wisdom to move through tough times. Am I saying this is it in tough times? No. But these are wonderful things that can help us move through. Am I denying that we need to not go through a grief system? Absolutely not. Our bodies are designed to grieve. Jesus wept. Our bodies are designed to grieve. Am I saying that we don't need to seek uh, maybe professional help sometimes if we're going through a certain tough time that requires that? No. God has equipped others to help with that too. But first and foremost, in every single one of our lives, if we need to do it as well as other things, we need to be able to understand that God talks to us about being able to move through tough times. And he's given us great things, great and wonderful things to be able to move through tough times. I'm just going to wrap up with a couple of scriptures. If we can have the guys come and play... um, uh, till I see your, I see your face, your face. Romans eight thirty eight to thirty nine. I love this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We all go through tough times, and God says we will. And you know, I, I really wasn't quite sure what was going to happen this morning. Was it the right message to preach on a global Sunday? I think so. And you know that all of us may be going through a tough time. Some of us may be going through a tough time right now, right this morning. I do believe that when I was preparing that message, that there were going to be people here that were going to be going through tough times. And you know, sometimes we come to church going, God, just give me something. Sometimes it can be that low. And this morning, if that's you, I want you to hear God. Don't hear me. Don't hear my raspy, coffee, broken voice. Hear God this morning. Know that his wisdom is yours. His strength is yours. 
His power is yours. His love is yours. His new life is yours. Let's stand, church. Let's be encouraged this morning and and know that God is right here with us. Know that God's ministering to us right now. If you want prayer this morning, if you want help with your trouble, with your tough time, come, come and, and we will pray with you. We will stand with you in your tough time. One of those points is about bringing people around you to help you through your tough time. And also, <coughs> this morning, you may be fabulous. You may be on top of the world. Excellent. Praise God. Take this away and hold on to it. And when there's a tough time that arises for you, pull it out. Read it. Listen to it. Read it. (laughs) And you'll find God's strength for you. You will find God's answer for you. And he comes just at the right time. Let's sing this morning, church, but I really, really want to encourage you to not leave this this morning. You come and get some prayer. Come and surrender it to God and let Him minister to you in your tough time. Let's sing.